Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us and we'll get into today's guest. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today is Jason Richmond, who is the founder of Ideal Outcomes. Jason, how's it going today? Oh, fantastic, Anthony, and, and thank you for having me. I, it's, it's a pleasure to get the opportunity to speak with you this morning. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to learning more about what you're doing, what you've done, and how you can share with, with our listeners. So why don't you uh, give us a quick you know, overview of, about your background and what keeps you busy on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Well, my, my background, 20 plus years of my, my career has been in organizational development, learning and development, um, really focusing on individual skills and behaviors to impact um, performance of organizations. And that could be anywhere from small entrepreneurial startups all the way to Fortune 100 companies on a, on a large organizational scale. And, and I've had the opportunity, the, the been fortunate enough to, to really do that all over the globe um, and uh, live abroad in places and, and get the insight and perception and perspective of all different industries. And it, it's just been a fascinating career. And that's really what drove me to, to write my book, Culture Spark, is just all the best practices and everything I've learned from my career working with so many different organizations and so many different types of people and styles and, and, and tendencies. It's, it's, it, it's been a dream run. I got to tell you, Anthony. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, if you, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So it sounds like that's what you're up to. Absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, uh, and, and, you know, anytime I have an opportunity to, you know, work with individuals or small teams or even organizations to, you know, to help them strategize or focus on the right key things in the, in, and to help evolve culture, help evolve employee performance, help evolve, you know, that, uh, that strategic imbalance. I mean, that's, that's what, uh, that's what keeps me going every day. You and I know as consultants, we know the outcome before people go through it, but all people see is like that starting point. So, you know, otherwise known as transformation, you know, tell me about not necessarily your process, but when you when you encounter people at the beginning of the process, what do you see versus what do you see at the end of the process, having worked with them and yeah, you know, and and it, it almost never fails. You have a lot of different opinions and different perspectives at the very beginning, and from the very beginning of a process, when you focus on your organizational culture or your team's culture or you know, those types of things. There, we start with defining it, and and usually we work with you know executives across an organization, and more than not, 
their perception of their existing culture varies quite a bit. And they're not necessarily always on the same page of what they really want their culture to be. Right? They know what business metrics they got to hit. They know what their performance goals are. They know what their leadership competencies are. They all aligned in that, but they've never really taken the time and effort to really define the culture the organization needs to have. And, and that's the big difference from the beginning to the end. I would say the end, everyone's unaligned and singing out of the same songbook, if you will. Why do people want to define that? As in, whether it's been in your own organizations, like the teams that you've led, or the external, what's the point of, of defining that culture and what's the point of getting everybody on the same page? Um, I, I would say having everyone driving the same path. If you're managing and leading people, um, different groups, different, you know, if, if the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing and why they're doing it that way, and there's no cross-departmental communications and, and alignment, you might eventually get to the same place, but you're going to have different people getting there this different, in, in a different way. And your path is a lot more smoother and uh, mechanically runs a lot better if the entire vehicle is going down the same path. And, and that's the big difference is, is the alignment piece. And so in your experience, what was a big aha moment, like in your leadership, whether that was running your own companies or like leading your own teams, what was an aha moment where you realized either that you didn't have that or that like somebody who is mentoring you like shared like, hey, this is the importance of this and, and this is, you know, how it worked. Give me a practical example there. And this was very young in my career, Anthony, and I, I call it a defining moment. I talk about it an awful lot. I was really running and managing a, a sales team and I was fairly new to the organization and, and I inherited a sales team. And I would say for the first four quarters, we increased production and productivity and sales results by double digits continuously. And then, and then after that, I kind of plateaued. I flattened out. The teams are from, we just kind of stayed the same. We didn't go down. We didn't start losing ground. We just, kind of kind of flattened out and and this went on for a couple quarters so i leaned into you know a, a, a business mentor of mine and he and then this gentleman still is by the way we're still very very close and he's still a business coach and a business mentor of mine and i had him come into my whole organization they interviewed every salesperson every admin um other leaders in the organization i mean he spent he, he spent talking to customers he, he spent time doing ride-alongs with salespeople. He spent a good three days. And then I'll never forget that Thursday morning. He was sitting in my office and he had a, a notepad full of notes from everyone. And he must have took about six minutes and just flipped through this notepad and then finally kind of dropped it to the floor. And he says, Jason, he goes, nobody likes you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was something I will never forget. And, and he says, you know, an organization, and, and I run into this problem. I work with a lot of organizations with that same leadership blind spot. They rely on leadership's performance to get them so far, and they're just pulling their people along instead of guiding and leading them to grow and prosper and empower them to actually take the organization where it needs. Departments and groups and things – if it's really all an individual leader's performance that's producing the results, 
there's only a certain level that that performance is going to get to on an individual level. And it fundamentally shifted the way I, the way I led, the way I built teams, the way I coach, um, you know, the, the totally shifted my, my leadership style from a, you know, micromanager to an empowering developmental type mindset. And I, I got to say, it was one of the most defining moments in my professional career. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's a smack in the face right there. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we all have them, you know, every, every leader out there, if they took the time to reflect, Anthony has that defining moment that really made them, made them the leader they are today. What happens when you encounter leaders who have no interest in reflecting or who do not want to listen to the notepad of notes you know, what do you do there? Can you, can you coach uphill? Like what's your experience there? You know, generally that resistance is a mental block and that resistance sometimes is, is built on a lack of trust or an, an unknown credibility factor. So, you know, coaching and and working with an unwilling person at first, will will we'll add time to, to the process and working with them. I mean, you've got to take more time to build that relationship, that level of trust where they'll open up and, and share those defining moments or, or, or those learning points in their path. And they're not always negative, by the way, sometimes, you know, they can be both, but the answer is yes. If, and, and you can't get frustrated and you can't throw up your arms. You just have to really try to put yourself in that individual shoes and see the world from their eyes, not, not your own. And, and that's a big fundamental difference in in our culture model and what we try to do with organizations we put ourselves in the individuals working in their shoes and try to see the organization from their perspective not from our perspective standing outside looking in yeah that makes sense i mean it's sort of a segue from that you know i get a lot of people that talk to me about like individual like performance management and setting like performance metrics but you also have people who are like marketing hr like project management. And then to add on to that, people who say they have like time constraints and load constraints, you know, what have you done? What have you seen that's been really successful in supporting that individual performance management without micromanaging? I guess one of the key areas that we focus on when we get in those situations is, is taking a look at their performance review process. We have seen a, a, a large fundamental shift in organizational thoughts about actual annual performance reviews where, you know, old school, you get an annual review every year, you sit down, here's your scores, check the box, fill this out, give it to me. I'll put my comments on it. In a lot of cases, it becomes a compliance type activity. Then it's tied to pay raises and things like that. Well, what we're seeing a shift in is that, is that the performance review process is an ongoing weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, one-on-one conversation with people that always has a performance element to it. So I'm not sitting down with my manager six and my manager telling me something that happened six months ago that I'm getting dinged for. Instead of a review process, it's more of an ongoing coaching mentality, a development mentality. So at the end of the year, you have a series of records of the conversations, the development conversations you've had over a course of 12 months. And it's like, 
what else should we add to this? And, and let's talk about your goals for next year and your career goals and how you want to aspire and where you want to go and what interests you. And it's so much more of a collaborative process. I would say that's one of the, the major focus areas that we'll focus on in that situation. Yeah. So uh, like, I totally appreciate that, that coaching versus review model and the approach and like spending that, that time. I have a, a personally a, a cross section of network from senior leaders who spend about 80% of their time leading and managing. And for them, their only job is to do those one-on-ones fundamentally. And then there's, you know, people on the uh, more entrepreneurial side of things where a greater percent of, of their time is spent doing the work and then trying to manage the doing of the work and the coaching. Would you apply the same approach to both cases or is it sort of different depending on, on where you're at? Personally, I'd apply the same approach to both cases. And even that entrepreneurial spirit, and I'll speak for my, for myself and, and other entrepreneurials, you know, I've worked with. And I mean, at, at the beginning, the startup phase, that type of stuff, you're doing everything. I mean, you're, you're rocking and rolling, you're doing whatever needs to be done. Um, however, you rely heavily on the people around you also. And in my experience, the most successful startups, the most successful projects is when they're built on a collaborative effort from key people that you absolutely need to be successful. And if you want to take it even farther, Anthony, as your company grows and expands and you add people and you're hiring, you know, a common mistake that we've seen over the years is people like to hire people like themselves, right? And and you get into individual cases where, certain leaders or entrepreneurs want to be the smartest person in the room. And I really caution people not to do that. I challenge them to hire people a lot smarter and a lot skilled, a lot more skill set in certain areas than they are. So then they're not consuming their whole times of doing it or fixing it or changing it, but they're focused on the business. They're focused on giving expectations. They're focused on support. They're focusing on removing roadblocks and letting these people that they brought in their team in a collaborative effort build success. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I really, uh, I, I see that like the well-balanced team kind of piece and the complementary skills piece, although it's, you know, I would imagine easier managing oneself, but also hard at the same time. Um, yep. What's your experience been managing when you hire somebody who is opposite? And that's, you know, the great part about culture is that it is diverse. Like, how do you find... If, if a leader is put in a position where they have to lead somebody with a different, we'll call it value set, um, and potentially motivators, you did already mention to put yourself in their shoes, but what would you say to a leader like that who has to maybe lead up to somebody who has a different approach and different style of doing things? Um, understand why. I mean, know the why. And when you communicate, um, when you communicate on, on project, on milestones, on goals, always in that communication have the why is this important and how does it how does it really relate how is it relevant to the ultimate purpose and different people will get to the same place or produce goals in different ways and that's what you want within your organization but but they all have to align with the primary purpose and don't ever forget the why 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 is this important why are we doing this and and if you keep that in your mindset i think you could work collaboratively with everybody so let's shift gears a little bit. We've looked a lot like behind at the past. It's, uh, I see on your LinkedIn here, you're on the Forbes Business Council. You're obviously working with really good and high-level leaders. 
what are you seeing in the future of business, the future of, of technology? What's on your radar in terms of things that like excite you in, in, in terms of business and your community? I think the level of, of employee empowerment is, 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 is shifting. I, I think it's raising. I, I think that level of trust is, is, is important, but I think people are really coming to the table and saying, we have to keep our, our quality people. We have to retain our people. And we have to attract the best people we can absolutely attract, attract to our organization. So we, this has to be a great place to work in order to do those two things. I think one of the biggest shifts or one of the things I'm seeing in the future is huge amounts of the population are working from home. And, and, and I think where we are in life now, we have realized that we can be productive and effective with remote workforces, which means my hire probably isn't going to be necessarily in the same town. Right. So, so my, my pool of, of talent has, is hugely different, you know, where I'm drawing from, but that also means retaining my high quality people becomes harder too. So creating the environment that people want to be in every day, the level of engagement they want, the level of empowerment, the level of importance they strive to have has become more and more important. Do you see a challenge with people who of you work as, we'll call it like transactional and said another way, some people who don't thrive in that online, some people don't like working online and some people like, don't like being self-managed. I mean, do you just avoid those people altogether? No, 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 no. no. You, you, you know, you got leaders and managers that have to, you know, you have to know your team. You have to know who your team are. You have to know what each individual is motivated by. You, You don't lead everybody in your organization the same way. Uh, it's, it's, it's got to have a level of individualism to it. Um, and, and I, and I really, I'm not, I'm not a believer that the world's going to work from home, right? There's always going to be people and companies and employees that come to the office that come to the building and that type of stuff. But I do think that we will see a higher level of remote workforce than we've ever seen before. You got that. Well, it's, I, I believe that especially with not just like the changes in human beings as ourselves, but the conditions around that we live in is going to require that transformational leadership for people to actually be more attuned to that, which is everything that you've Correct. talked about here. What would be one of the things you would caution leaders and saying, hey, if you're a young leader, if you're, you know, entering those, you know, first, second year as a, whether a senior leader, middle manager, What's like the biggest thing to avoid? What's the thing that messed you up? I mean, obviously we talked about the thing that people don't like you, but what's the thing you caution them as they move forward into that space? I would say don't assume. Don't make assumptions about where your team is at. Don't make assumptions about where individuals, what they feel about their career and the work they're doing. And don't make the mistake of saying, oh, everything's great and everything's fine. Go to that extra effort to stay connected. Go to the extra effort to schedule that Zoom call or pick up that phone and maybe have a conversation just about other things, Uh, you know, maybe a personal thing. Ask about them, you know, be engaged. Just don't make those assumptions because those assumptions will, will come back and blindside you. 
I mean, you know what they say when you assume. And, and I, find uh, yeah. it, <laughs> I find it interesting or like I, I'm trying to look, tie the corollary back to the individual performance management because I think that's where a lot of people that I've seen, especially as it relates to strategy, look at like objectives and broad things versus actually getting down into the specific because the specific is hard and actually keeps you accountable, but it also allows you as a leader to like that expectation gap which is at the heart of the assumption. I assume you're doing something this way. You're assuming I want you to do it another way. And then we keep like growing further and further away as time goes on. And then that's when like the cracks start showing up in the culture, the teamwork, the performance, all that stuff. Anything you want to add on top of that? No, I think you, 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 you nailed it. And I, and I think that that really drives, I mean, that those touch points and, and on a regular basis and the interest you take in your people is what's going to drive that level of engagement and that level of commitment. I mean, I really get your passion for humans, but without being like a soft human person, you know what I mean? Some people are really love you, but you're just like, hey man, I'm here for you and I want you to succeed because we need to succeed together. And I think I imagine that that's sort of your approach is just putting that out on the table, especially in your coaching. It's not like a performance review. It's, hey, let me help you be, help you win. That's right. What, what, what's your role? What's my role? Let's make sure we understand what each other's roles to do and why it's important for our group, for our division, for our department to accomplish and get where we need to accomplish. In that past example, you used our, 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 our a lot. What have you seen in teams where it's my, 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 uh, my team, my department, my responsibilities, you know, what have you seen that do for an organization, whether that's positive or negative? And then have you had an experience where you had to work on turning that around? Yeah. you, You see, um, you see compliance. Um, you see the effort to do the minimal, um, do what's required. And then depending on, you know, like in sales organize, organizations and stuff, you might see false recordings of, of activity and things like that. You know, it's if it's a me, 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 me culture, you really are building a, a level of, compliance and, and metrics, um, but not a level of commitment and, and passion for what I'm doing. So yes, I have worked with organizations in that situation and we've done like engagement sessions with their whole team. And you've got to break down barriers of trust when that happens. When, when you enter a, a world of a me culture, people on the team, people in the department, depending on how long it's been going on feels, well, you know, this is a flavor of the month. Okay. We've heard this before we've done this before. So when you're working with, when you're really making that kind of shift, leaders really have to walk the walk, walk the talk and and demonstrate it. And their behaviors have to be, it's gotta be an observable behavior change. Otherwise team members, uh, individual contributors are not going to buy into the effort. You know, the one thing about, culture. If it's in your own team, if it's in your business unit, if it's in your silo, if it's in your organization, it's not a light switch. It's not rolling out a new policy or procedure. It can't be addressed in a day, you know, a week or even a month. It's, it, it's a series of behavioral activities that are not adding time. It's just shifting the way you do things currently now to create the type of culture you want. And and it's, it's, it's not something, we call it a culture journey for a reason. 
it's a strategy that needs to be implemented and no one individual or one group can actually be responsible for it. Every, the organization has to be on board. Yeah. And what I hear about that, as you mentioned, like the flavor of the month piece is that like, as a leader, you have to outweigh that. Like you have like the expectations of people and they have to be like, oh, wait, like they have to eventually see this is not going away. So I might as well get on board or get the hell out of here. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, you're right. And it's, it's not, it, and it's, and, and I think, and, and I think fundamentally what we're going through now and in today's world and our environment and, you know, from economies to everything, there is ultimately some shift or some evolution of your existing culture. You cannot not believe that in certain situations, there's probably an element of fear of the unknown. Well, if you've got a team of 15 individual contributors in your group, and you've got a little bit of a fear of the unknown going through your group and that type of thing, that's ultimately going to change you know, your culture a little bit. And, and you, you've got to be on top of that to be effective. You, you, you should be having conversations with your team about that, right? Cause that's what they're, that's what they're living right now. Yeah. And I've never thought of it that way because if you have people who are like non-committal and, and really being complacent and doing that minimum, I could see how the non-committal and the fear, which is a byproduct of the lack of trust, like that's why it gets created. Yes, Exactly. That's awesome. I mean, awesome that you can uncover it because I find when you're going through that stuff and it's why we have the podcast is it, it, it sort of that you identify it. Like sometimes you don't even know what you're looking at. You just know what's happening, but you don't know why and you can't like diagnose it. And that's the great thing about having people like you, Jason, is you, you've been there, you've seen it, you know what you're looking for because you can read this, a, a bunch of pages of notes and know the end of that. Uh, and you said diagnose. That's so critical. I think it's, that's step two in our culture process is really put forth the effort through the organization. It doesn't matter if you're a small company or a large company or in a single department. Take some time to really diagnose and get a true picture of what your culture really is. Because you can't, can't evolve anything or change anything if you don't really know what you're working with. Yeah, 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 I'm with you. Um, so as we finish up here, why don't you give us a quick summary of the book? Because obviously you're full of insights. You package it in your book. Oh, I hear about that. And then tell us how people can uh, can get a hold with you and connect. Yeah, and, and and my book was not based on, you know, me sitting down and writing down what I think are my thoughts. I I took a year and a half and did nothing but travel the world and, and interview executives and leaders from all different industries to really bring all that knowledge and best practices together and, and all the common threads and themes that develop a, a dynamic, high-performing culture. And, and we really developed a very simple five-step process or a model to kind of follow. And we've talked about a couple of them, defining, diagnosing, planning, measuring, sustaining is the five steps. And, and the book really is, is loaded with, I would say, tools or resources that individual leaders can take and actually apply in their own teams and their own groups and their own companies, you know, to start tackling any type of business challenge that has a, a, a culture flair to it. I, I'm a big believer. My team's a big believer. You know, I, I'm not going to come into a company and fix your culture problem, right? I'm, I'm not an employee. I'm not an executive with your company. We want to work with, key influential people with your organization 
on you know quarterly basis or bi-monthly basis and that type of stuff and provide different tools and techniques and activities that these influencers can take into the organization and perform and implement lead the transformation lead the change if you will right but it, it really does have to come from within so our approach is to provide what is needed the roadmap the tools ideas activities for them to get from point a you know to point z yeah you could show them you can give them the map you just can't walk you can't push them down the road yeah i mean and they've got to have that self-accountability and that's why we're from the beginning of our conversation that's why we start with define that's why we you know we have there has to be a level of alignment and agreement that this is important and that it is going to be a substantial step for us a strategy for us yeah you got to be willing yeah. and if your team is willing there's a way but if you're unwilling there's nothing anybody can do for you and then you're going to have the same results so what do you want do you want new results or you want the same results you're yep exactly That's for sure awesome. Jason, how can uh, people get a hold of you and how can they learn more about what you do? Well, the book's on Amazon, Culture Spark. LinkedIn is Jason Richmond or Ideal Outcomes, Inc. Uh, the website is www.idealoutcomesinc.com. All kinds of resources, uh, blogs, thought leadership, uh, online tools, culture resources, email, phone number, contact information there. Um, but yeah, between LinkedIn and the website, I would encourage everyone to go check it out. That's awesome. Thanks, Jason. Really appreciate the talk today. It's been awesome. And I'm yeah, really grateful we got to connect today. Uh, thanks, Anthony. Take care. You too, buddy. My guest today has been Jason Richmond, who is the founder of Ideal Outcomes, Inc., so if you know somebody who uh, isn't liked in their company or wants to transform their performance, their leadership, and really take that, give that spark to the culture, of course, I had to use the book title, really be sure to send them this podcast because any big transformation, any change has to start somewhere, but it doesn't need to be huge. It just needs to you know, follow a model like Jason's, really recognize that there is an opportunity for transformation, and then take that step towards leadership. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you subscribe and like if you're watching this on YouTube, and be sure to join us for the next episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. Thanks so much for joining us, and until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's gonna give you a plan that you can execute successfully. If you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful, and we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95, and you can get instant access to all of the videos, plus you can use the code PODCAST for $100 off course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course 
Use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.